A reading from the book of Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. God's story for God's people. Good morning and welcome. It's good to see you all in worship. Today we're continuing our Understanding the Bible series, and I want to give you a couple of quick reminders as we get into this morning's lesson. Uh, first of all, there's a table in uh, this worship space and also in our worship space next door in the Knox Commons. It's got Bibles of many different kinds and for many different age groups. And if you've been looking for a Bible for your own uh, explorations, your own reading, and would like to go deeper with some of what we're talking about, there are descriptions with all of these so that you can find a new companion in your reading. Um, the other thing I want to remind you of is that each Wednesday night we're having a Bible study here at the church, and it follows upon the sermon that came the Sunday before, gives you a chance to go deeper. You don't have to have attended all of them in order to attend one, so come whenever you like. We would love to see you. Information about that is in our weekly announcements. And finally, I want to let you know that uh, I'm finding as I start through this series that I'm getting some wonderful questions from people, uh, follow-up questions about various matters, and I've decided that this fall I'm going to take some of those specific questions and try to go more deeply with some of the things that are beyond the scope of this particular sermon series. And so I've had questions about what am I to make about all the violence in the Bible? What am I to make about the Bible's treatment of women. If you have questions like these, bring them to me. Send me an email. Give me a phone call. Uh, communicate me, with me about your questions so that I can be thinking about them as I build this series. And for now, let's uh, get back to the matter at hand, continue with uh, this Sunday's sermon. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your word to us in Scripture for its history, for its wisdom, for its mysteries. Enlighten us, O oh God. Bring your power, your grace, your spirit of forgiveness and love upon us so that we may hear this story and receive it as part of our own. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For, O oh Lord, you are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So, this is the fourth sermon in the Understanding of the Bible series. 
Throughout this series, I have tried to be honest with you about the limitations of this very rapid trip through the Bible. Today, I will probably do the greatest injustice to Scripture as we cover about 1,300 years of history and several hundred pages in the average Bible in about 15 minutes. In most churches, these are the texts that get very little attention in worship, and they are mostly unfamiliar. So I am hoping, by keeping it very simple, to give you some context, some basic context for some stories that you may have learned in church or in Sunday school, but have never been able to put into the larger whole, into context. And I hope by giving you that very brief introduction that you will want to go deeper and read more. For now, let's get to it. You will remember that we have been reading the Bible, tracing a theme through it as our organizing principle. The Bible is a story of creation of a covenant between God and the world, the breaking of that covenant, and the repair and recreation of that covenant. It is a cycle that repeats throughout the Bible again and again and again. Today, we are looking at that theme in what are known as the books of the prophets. Following the first five books of the Bible, which are known as the Torah, the books of the law, the books of the prophets occupy the vast majority of what remains in the Old Testament. This is the part of the Bible that starts with Joshua and Judges. It continues with the books of Samuel and Kings. It then goes on to these longer prophetic books that we know as the major prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and also includes all of the minor prophets, shorter books like Micah and Amos and Hosea. Along the way, we are skipping some books, and we will return to those books in the next lesson, which will be about wisdom literature. It is a lot of material, and it is held together by the theme. The many different voices of the prophets are all participating in some way in this covenant cycle that we have been talking about. Their stories contribute to this common history. So, let's begin with the history. Now, at this time, there should be a slide appearing on your screen, whether you are here in person or whether you are at home. Um, it is a timeline of the Bible, and the details on this timeline may be a bit difficult to see because there's a lot here, but this will be posted along with the sermon if you would like to look at it more closely later. For this morning's uh, purposes, I want you to be able to see the departures in that timeline, and I'm getting some shaking heads the timeline is not coming up on the screen. Is it there yet? No? Well, we'll see if it appears. If not, I'm going to be describing it with uh, some movements of my hands, so you'll, you'll figure it out. Um, the first slide is, uh, or was to be, a timeline of the entire Bible. And then I took it very quickly to a close-up of that, sec that slide in which I showed you what we've done so far and are going to do today. 
So far, we have looked at this covenant cycle, our theme, through the books at the beginning of the Bible, the first two, Genesis and Exodus. And today, where we left off in the book of Exodus, the Israelites are wandering through the wilderness of Shur, and they are in search of the promised land. They enter into a covenant with God. That happens with Moses on Mount Sinai. And we talked about how that covenant is a way of life. It is a way of life that claims the people as God's people. And it is an alternative way of life from the way of life they formerly knew with Pharaoh in Egypt. They spend 40 years, we are told, wandering through the wilderness, and they spend 40 years because they are trying to get used to this new way of life. They're trying to get used to trusting God to lead them. During this time, Moses dies, and the people are led out of their time of wandering by Joshua into the land that will become their home. And in that land, God places judges over them. You are hearing these names of books of the Bible, Joshua and then judges. These judges, what are judges? Judges are people who lead the people of Israel by interpreting God's way of life for them. Now, unfortunately, or perhaps by now predictably, the people still get pulled away from God's way of life. They get tempted by wanting to know what life is like outside of the covenant. And the perfect example of this is found in the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 8. In this story, the people come to Samuel, who is a prophet of the Lord, And they say to Samuel, we have been led by these judges and these prophets long enough. We want the Lord to give us a king. And God replies that the people don't really want a king because the king will do what all kings do. He will take their daughters for his harem and he will send their sons to war and he will make them pay taxes. And the Lord says through Samuel to the people, God's way of life is better than this. But even faced with this clear reasoning, the people insist on having a king. They say specifically in verse 20, give us a king so that we may be like all the other nations. And so God relents. And God gives the people a king. The first king's name is Saul, and after him comes King David, and after him comes King Solomon. And in the stories of these kings, we begin to see the brokenness of these human leaders and how the people along with them fall away from God's way of life, from God's covenant. After the reign of Solomon, things get worse. Greed and power struggles lead to a dividing of the kingdom, and a period begins during which there is a northern kingdom known as Israel with its capital at Shechem and a southern kingdom known as Judah with its capital at Jerusalem. 
as a result of falling away from the covenant with God, a series of kings rule poorly over these kingdoms. And in the 8th century BCE, the kingdom of Israel falls away. They are defeated by the Assyrian Empire. And in the 6th century BCE, the kingdom of Judah is destroyed. It falls away as it's defeated by the Babylonian Empire. When Jerusalem, the kingdom of Judah, falls to the Babylonians, the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed, the temple that King Solomon had once built. And the people are dispersed from their own homeland. They enter into the darkest period of the history of Israel. It is known as the Babylonian exile. In the covenant cycle we have been describing, this is where things really hit bottom during the time known as the Babylonian exile. But to make a very long story very short, God is always working for the renewal of the covenant. And so a few generations later, there is a good king of the Persian Empire named Cyrus, and he defeats the Babylonians, and when he does, he allows the Israelites to return to their home and to rebuild their temple. And this is what biblical history calls the Second Temple Period, and it lasts through the end of what we know as the Old Testament until about the year 70. This is the restoration of the covenant. Take a deep breath. That, in about five minutes, is the history. And you can follow it on the timeline, which will be available to you at home. Wilderness, judges, the people ask for a king, the people get a king, there's a united kingdom, there's a divided kingdom, there's a fall of the northern kingdom and a fall of the southern kingdom, there is an exile, it's the darkest period in the history of Israel, and there is a restoration of the covenant, a building of a new temple. In very broad strokes, it is all one long story of covenant, of the making of the covenant, the breaking of the covenant, the remaking of the covenant. And if you read your Bible more closely, if you read its individual stories, you will see that again and again in the many, many different stories of our, what we call the Old Testament, we hear individual stories and individual lives and communities of the creation, the brokenness, and the renewal of the covenants. Now, I want to turn to some specific biblical texts, and I want to show you how these individual Bible stories show the progression of this covenant cycle through some passages that may even be familiar to you. One more thing before I do that. You will remember that earlier I referred to today's portion of the Bible as the books of the prophets. And in order to understand these books and to understand where they fit into our covenant cycle, it's important to define that word, prophet. Some of us have been given the impression that prophets are fortune tellers who predict the future. 
The more accurate description is that prophets are interpreters of the present situation. They are interpreters who talk about the health of the covenant between God and the people. Prophets speak to the kings and to the people and tell them how they are doing at keeping God's covenant, how they're doing at living according to God's way. The fortune-teller description isn't really accurate in that the prophets are magical, but it is true in the sense that they do say things about the future. Things like, if you continue to depart from God's way of life, from God's covenant, things will not go well for you. And as the history we just went through indicates, the prophets are right. Now let's look at three examples and put some individual stories into their context. The first example I want to share with you comes from the book of the prophet Amos. Amos was a prophet, like many others, who was deeply concerned with justice and with the keeping of God's covenant. And he was unafraid to tell it like it is. So in the book of Amos, we hear again and again judgments on the people that are harsh. And we also hear God's forgiveness and mercy that are equally gracious. Here's an example from chapter 2 of the book of Amos. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the, the punishment, because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes, but they have been led astray by the same lies after which their ancestors walked. Did I not bring Israel up from the land of Egypt? But the time is surely coming, says the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall never again be plucked up out of the land that I have given them. Thus says the Lord. The witness of Amos is that the people have departed from the covenant, but that the broken covenant will one day be restored. The second example comes from the prophet Isaiah, and it may be familiar to you because Christians read many texts from Isaiah during the season of Advent, and you may even identify with these texts because Handel included many of them in his Messiah. Isaiah writes things like, in chapter 9, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And Isaiah calls that great light, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is a description of a king in Jerusalem who will lead the people under God's intended covenant. This is what a good king would look like. Later in the book of Isaiah, when the kings and the people have fallen away and they emerge into that time of exile, that very dark period, God 
gives grace to the people, and Isaiah writes, Comfort, comfort ye my people. Say unto the cities of Judah, Here is your God. And later on, when the people are returning to their home from their exile, a vision emerges of what that return will look like, and Isaiah writes in that day, the wolf will lie down with the lamb and the leopard with the kid, and none will hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. All of these familiar texts are read by Christians during Advent and foretell the coming of Jesus. In the context of the Old Testament, they are the story of God's covenant, created, broken, restored. Finally, in a third example, what you heard in today's scripture lesson before the sermon began, the prophet Jeremiah writes during the time of the Babylonian exile, and toward the end of it, he summarizes the restoration of the covenant. God speaks through the voice of Jeremiah, saying, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this covenant I make with the house of Israel after those days, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Creation, brokenness, repair, renewal of the covenant. These are three examples. And they are, of course, hand-picked examples that I have chosen because they illustrate my point very clearly. I have gone very quickly through an immense amount of Hicks history and text. However, I want to say to you that even in reading on your own, this cycle of created covenant, broken and restored again, this is a tool that you can use to understand the Bible. And the vast majority of the stories, many of you may already know in this part of the Old Testament, they fit somewhere into this cycle. When King David commits adultery with Bathsheba, the prophet Nathan comes to him and tells him that he is falling away from the covenant. When Ezekiel prophesies in the valley of dry bones, he is creating a vision of restoration of the covenant. When the prophet Micah tells the people, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God, he is reminding the people of a way of life to which they have been called through the covenant. This is how the covenant cycle becomes a key to understanding the Bible. Here's where I will end today. I wonder if you have found in your life, as I have found in mine, that sometimes life is not fair. You look around the world and you see good people who make all of the right choices and strive to do the right things, and bad things keep happening to them.
And you see people who do all kinds of awful things and seem to be doing just fine. This would seem to suggest that God's way of life does not work. We are connected to the ancient people in the Bible in that they made that same observation that you and I make, that things often do not work out the way that they should. There is a significant body of literature in the Bible that speaks to this very problem with the covenant. And that's where we'll go in part five. Amen.